And it's just an honor to be with you this morning. My name is Rick Buck, and I am the regional director of Feb Central Ministries. And uh, so it's a privilege on behalf of our team to say good morning to the Snowden family. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Brent who gave us and your leaders who gave us the invitation to come. And just before I get into my message, I will say um, I was one of the, the folks that recommended to your leaders to consider a sabbatical for Pastor Brent. Um, as you can imagine, this time of COVID has been a difficult time for all of us, uh, but church leaders and pastors especially have found this a very, the second year of COVID even more stretching than the first year, and there's reasons for that. I don't want to go into all of those, but um, I just think it'll be one of the greatest investments you make in your church, giving your pastor a little extended time of rest and renewal, and I think he'll come back uh, really uh, strengthened in the Lord and uh, excited about ministry. So let me encourage you with that, um, just that investment. It really is an investment in him. And uh, our churches have weathered the storm of COVID pretty well. I was just sharing with one of our sisters in the Lord here a few minutes ago. Uh, it's been stretching. It's been exhausting. It's been challenging to the unity of the church. I won't deny that. Uh, but there's a sense in which we come to the end of ourselves, folks. That's the beginning of God, isn't it? And uh, so we, we, we have an opportunity in the challenges. Will we rely on God more deeply in, in our weakness, in our inadequacies, in where we, the places where we feel stretched and overwhelmed? And so uh, we're seeing much of that. And I think there's some really great opportunities for the advancement of the kingdom of God and the cause of the gospel. As we felt our frailty through all this, we felt and sensed his presence and power, right? So let's keep leaning in. And let me encourage you as you kind of come out of COVID, which I know Quebec and Ontario a little bit different in your rules, but uh, you're coming out too. And it's going to take hard work. We're going to have to swim upstream to come back to community community, right? Um, I mean, hospitality, face-to-face community is central to the Christian faith. And so we want to do this lovingly, patiently with one another. We don't all have the same approaches to COVID. I just encourage you, keep working at that. We need that. We need, uh, obviously, community with one another as part as brothers and sisters in Christ. So as you come back to that, uh, may God help you work through the fear and all the challenges that come in the midst of COVID. May God bless you as you do that. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4 if you haven't already done that. Uh, but let me just tell you, um, Feb Central includes our Anglophone churches here in Quebec. There's a number coming out into the Montreal area, and we've been trying to track with your churches and your pastors and serve them through COVID as well as our Ontario churches, our English Ontario churches. But um, we, we want you to know it's a big job. There's over 1 million square kilometers of region and 200, 289 churches, and that represents literally tens of thousands of people worshiping and serving the Lord, and so it's challenging. We focus on serving our churches. We have no reason to exist outside of serving our churches. The church is God's tool of choice to advance his kingdom in the world. We exist to serve the church, and we do that through three areas. We do that through church planting, 
leadership development and church health. So we come alongside our churches and help them plant churches. We come alongside our churches, help strengthen their leadership. And we come alongside our churches to help them be really spiritually healthy and, and on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you one piece of great news. We've tried to stay on mission during COVID. And during COVID, these last two years, our Feb Central Ministries team has been able to plant 13 churches under COVID during COVID. Isn't that great news? Praise God for that. And another eight churches are in the planning stages. So we have not stopped being on mission. We're trying to press forward by God's grace and just uh, keep going in partnership with our churches to advance mission. So appreciate your prayers. Uh, thank you so much, Snowden, for your prayers and your partnership, your financial giving, your support. Uh, when we contacted your leaders about your pastor your leaders were very engaged with us and we're just really grateful uh for you as a church family and really blessed to be here thanks for letting me do that little announcement okay um i think you would agree with me life is a beautiful gift from god isn't it amen so do something with me i know it's hard with the mass take a deep breath in and then let it out do it again gift Gift, another one, the next one is a gift, next breath is a gift, and every subsequent breath is a gift from God. My ability to walk up here onto the stage is a gift of God's grace. My ability to preach to you this morning is all of His grace. From beginning to end, we are people of grace. Acts 17 says, life, breath, everything else is a gift from God. All that you and I enjoy is a beautiful, beautiful gift of God's grace. And on top of that, God gives us the gift of himself. He gives us the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, forever life with him. On top of all the, the temporary earthly gifts he gives us, he gives us Jesus. He's so good. Life is a beautiful gift from God, but I think we've learned anything during these last two years, haven't we? It is that it is a fragile gift. It's a beautiful but broken gift. Easily broken. Whether it's COVID or whether it's what's going on in the world right now with the war in Ukraine and where's that going? Maybe you've come in here to this place today as our sister alluded. You know, we all come with different circumstances, heavy things it might be your health. It might be your job or your finances. It might be a child. It might be something going on here. The church. It might be sin in the context of your life that you're struggling with and, and, and seems to be having its way with you. We're touched by the brokenness and the vulnerability. And now, maybe more than ever, I think we're realizing just how small we are, how tiny we are, and we're not in control, right? We're not in control. We know so little. We control so little. And the temptation in the midst of that is to be very fearful and to be very anxious. I've seen that fearfulness and anxiety expressed in different ways. You've probably heard of the term flight or fight, right? In fear and anxiety. Some people flee. Some people have retreated back to their homes and haven't really come out under COVID. 
They're that fearful, that immobilized by the fear and the anxiety of everything that's going on. Others fight. They, they try to take control in the midst of feeling out of control. They, they, they fight back against it and they try to control everything and, and being so small as a human being, that doesn't work either. Makes it worse. Stress gets deep. And of course, we know what God wants us to do. He wants us to find our refuge in him. He wants to give us his peace in the midst of the storm. I love the words of Jesus where he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, Jesus said. In other words, Jesus gives us a peace that this world can't possibly give us. Peace with himself, peace with one another, and even peace within oneself. Through Jesus, we can enjoy not only a present peace, but an eternal peace from God, even through the most difficult circumstances of life. This is the promise of God to us. But as Christians, we don't automatically experience that peace. In fact, the big idea for this sermon today is this, that God calls us by faith to let the peace of God through Jesus Christ reign in our hearts and our lives. God calls us to let the peace of Christ rule in our lives. First, we have to see it and understand it. Then we have to partake of it. We have to experience and take hold of it. And then we need to share it and give it away to others. This is what God calls us to how do we do that? Well, this is what our text of Scripture really, I believe, is teaching us this morning. So I'm going to invite you to please stand with me, if you would, and I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and uh, I'm going to invite you to uh, follow along and be reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. And then we'll pray and look into this text. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is our teacher today. And we pray that our hearts, all of us, mine included, would be soft to what you want to say to each one of us. Father, thank you for the incredible peace that you give only through your Son. And we want to see it with clarity today. We want to partake of it, to drink deeply of it, to savor it, and we want to share it with others today. So God, we pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts and that you would shape us by your spirit into the people that you want us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated.
And so every passage of Scripture, as you know, has a context, and so this passage does as well. Paul is coming to the end of his letter to the Philippian believers, and he gives them a series of practical commands to help them grow in their Christian life. These Christians were experiencing challenging days, challenging circumstances, trials, and in fact, they were facing persecution. We know that. They were, 2 Corinthians 8 says they were facing financial struggles and trials. Uh, they were experiencing fractured relationships in their church, and there was disunity. And on top of all of that, the Apostle Paul was in prison. He was their spiritual father, and he was in prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're very much feeling that brokenness in the beauty of life. And with a pastor's heart, Paul tells them and us how we can deal with the stress of life and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, in their hearts. And he gives four commands that really help them to do that. Now, I'm going to, I don't know if you're visual people, but I'm going to give you a visual that will help you remember these four commands, okay? So I'm going to uh, skip them, and then we're going to work through them. So it, these are the four commands he's going to give. He's going to say, look up in faith, reach out in love, lift up in prayer, and drink in the Word of God. So you do it with me, okay? We'll do it from the start. So look up in faith, reach out in love, Lift up in prayer and drink in the word of God. Okay, so you remember that and we'll come back to that at the very end. So let's look at the first one that Paul gives. Keep looking up in faith. Very straightforward in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then just if you don't get it, he repeats it for emphasis. Again, I will say rejoice. And, and what's Paul doing here? He's saying the only way you're going to find peace and joy is if you focus on God rather than on your circumstances. In other words, when we focus on the Lord and not everything else, there is the opportunity for peace and joy in our lives. Why? Because the Lord doesn't change. Everything else does change. Notice, Paul says, rejoice not in the brokenness part, in the fallenness of life, but rejoice, who? In the Lord, in the Lord. This is critical. He's not saying every, good, every circumstance is good. We know that every circumstance, part of this fallen world is not good, but the Lord is good in all circumstances. We can trust that we can find the presence and the power of Jesus in all circumstances. Friends, you can always rejoice in the unchanging treasure of Jesus Christ in a very changing world, your changing world. See, this is it, right? Everything in this world, even the best gifts that God has given outside of Jesus are beautiful but broken. Only Jesus is beautiful and unbroken. Jesus alone is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're anchored on that which is unchanging, rock solid, Jesus Christ, this treasure, you are unstoppable. You are a conqueror, Paul says in Romans 8, even in the face of the worst that life can throw at you. It doesn't matter. 
Paul is saying, choose a faith perspective that understands that your confidence is not in that which is fragile. It's not in that which is fleeting or fractured. It's in what Jesus has done, is doing, and will one day do. He will finish what he has started in your life. It's guaranteed the Holy Spirit is a deposit, guaranteeing that God will close the deal on this thing, construction project called your life, making you into the likeness of Jesus. Isn't that great news? So I can rejoice even in and through the tears. Knowing that God won't waste anything in my life, he'll use it all for my greatest good of being more like his son. Most people in the West are trying to find their peace and their happiness, are they not? Through creating just the the right set of circumstances, the right environment. If I can just get comfortable enough, if I can get that better job, I can get that, you know, bigger house, if I can get that nicer car, if I can get that better spouse, so- sorry, that's how some people think, right? And, and if I could just get these things, then my life would be all, that it, no, no, it, those are dead-end streets. They'll never, ever deliver you what you think they will deliver you. <laughs> Whenever we turn a gift into an idol, it becomes our beginning of our downfall. It will destroy us. It will consume us. Only God in Christ gives us this way to experience this stable peace and contentment. A few verses later in this text, there's some famous verses. You remember them. Philippians 4, 12, and 13, Paul says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, some people look at Philippians 4.13. They say, ah, isn't that great? What do you want? What are you, what are you dreaming for? What's your vision? You can do all things through Christ. So if you want that better job, you can do all things through Christ. That's not what that verse is saying. Because the verse before goes with it. And Paul's saying in verse 12, I've done the roller coaster ride of life. I've been at the bottom and I've been at the top. I've been in the valley and on the mountain. And I've gone around the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen it all, Paul says. And here's what I've learned. In the changing circumstances of life, there is the unchanging power of the living Christ that will give me the ability to to respond consistently. To all those changes. Do you see it? Got to claim that power in our weakness. Through Christ, we can choose an attitude. We can rejoice because we know what is of ultimate worth. It's Him. And God can make everything a servant to lead us to become more like Jesus. This means that every single circumstance in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is an opportunity to rejoice in the Lord. Look up in faith, right? Now, I spent a lot of time on that first point. Let's go to the second one. We're going to move a little bit faster. There's a second way to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and lives. Paul says, keep reaching out in love. So look up in faith, reach out in love. Verse 5 says, let your reasonableness 
be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Or your gentleness be known to all people because the Lord is near, another translation says. The way to find, again, peace and joy is not by focusing on everything else, but by focusing on doing the will of God, especially, especially loving others. Now, you might read this, reasonable, it's gentle. Is Paul saying, you know, be a nice person? Is he saying be kind? Is he saying be patient? But he's, yes, he is saying that, but he's saying more than that. Uh, the New American uh, Standard Bible actually captures the sense of what Paul, this Greek word that Paul is getting at here, it translates this, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. So in other words, he is talking about being gentle. He is talking about being kind and patient, but he's talking about being humble, kind, and patient in the midst of a hostile world. In other words, he's talking about don't put a priority on your rights, choosing to react in retaliation when others hurt you. When others are hard to love, love as God has loved you, he's saying. Everybody loves people when it's easy to love, right? Even gang members love their own, right? The challenge is not loving those who are lovely. The challenge is loving those who rub me the long, wrong way. The challenge is, is, is loving those who hurt me. You know, one of the most frequent causes of stress and anxiety, I believe, in our lives comes from being wrongly treated by those around us. We receive it, and we do it to others. And it's, have you noticed? If they're closer to you, it hurts even more. Because you have an expectation there from those who are closest to you. And it hurts deeply. The temptation for all of us in the midst of this is to respond with the same self-centeredness that hurts you. And, and Paul is saying, don't do that. Follow God in loving others the way God has loved you. God did not give you what you deserved. If God was giving you what he, you deserved, you would have got his justice. But you got his mercy. You got his patience. You got his kindness and his grace through his son Jesus. You didn't get what you deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. I got his grace and his mercy. And he's saying, we need to respond like God has responded to us. And when people see God's peace operating in us such that we become peacemakers rather than escalators, they know there's something different about us. This isn't natural. Loving your own, loving those who are lovely, that's natural. Everybody does that. The supernatural reality is loving when it's hard to love, when it costs something. That's how God has loved us. But God loved us when we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8, when we were weak and helpless and nothing to offer God, but our rebellion, he reached down from heaven and he became a little baby in the person of his son. And then he became our servant and he died a criminal's death. Out of depth of love for us. Do you see it? God, help me drink of that love and share it. Help me to give that love away. I don't have to go around, he says, and be the final assessor. In fact, I think that's the, the meaning of the word the Lord is near here. He could be simply referring to the constant 
presence of the Lord, or he could be alluding to the imminent return of Jesus. Either way, he's saying God knows and sees it all. God will have the final word. You don't have to be judge and jury. He will be, and he's the only one capable of being the judge and jury. You probably have just enough information to make you dangerous, to make you an improper, unhealthy assessor. Don't be judge and jury. Leave those people with God. Follow Jesus as he hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. And Peter says he entrusted himself to his heavenly Father. Let God be judge. He's a way better, he's way better at that job than you are. Isn't it frustrating and creates a lot of anxiety when you do things you were never intended to do? You know the most frustrating thing in the world to do is to try and be the general manager of the universe. Because you were never built for that. There's only one perfect judge. But here's the thing, when I know that God will right all the wrongs and reward all the rights and he'll have the final word, I don't have to get justice in this life. I can do what he has done for me. I can pour out his love and leave those people with God knowing that God will get the justice. I don't have, and he'll be perfect. He knows everything there is to know. I can travel light. And I can be gentle with others rather than getting so, so worked up feeling like I've got to bring the justice. You see how liberating that is? How peace-giving that is? We don't have to become like those that hurt us. I want you to think of someone right now that's hard to love. Maybe someone who's hurt you. Shouldn't take that long to locate. You can see a face, you can see a name. Now I ask you, ask God by his grace to fill you with his love for that person such that you would respond in ways to that person that he has responded to you. Think of something tangible that you can express his love to those people. Did you do that? That's a great application coming out of this teaching. Paul gives a third challenge that will help us access God's peace and joy in Jesus Christ. He says, keep lifting up in prayer, verse 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. In other words, lift up your burdens. So we've got look up in faith, reach out in love, lift up your burdens to a God who's more than able to handle what you cannot and what I cannot. Don't be anxious about the past or the present or the future, but through prayer with a thankful heart, again, remembering that we are people of grace, God owes us nothing but his justice and he gives me life, breath, and everything else. I can be grateful even whatever the challenge is because I know I'm a person of grace, but even whatever that is, that burden, I can just give it to God. You know, in our world, people try different things to cope with stress, as you know. And to some degree, we all do this. We try to distract ourselves away from the brokenness. We try to, some people turn to substances, food, 
alcohol, drugs, obsessive behaviors, pornography, etc. What are these things? These are, these are sins, but they are also trying to numb the pain. People are trying to numb the brokenness rather than deal with it in a way that God wants them to deal with it, which is to, to see their vulnerability, to feel their vulnerability, to know how small they are and turn to him and let him be God of it. And prayer, prayer is the way that we posture our hearts to align our hearts with God's and say, God, your will be done in this situation. I want you to be God of this situation. It's too big for me. I acknowledge my smallness. I acknowledge I don't understand. And I acknowledge I need you in this. I need you desperately to meet me in this place. And God is saying, Trust that I'm big enough, wise enough, powerful enough to know what it is you can and cannot handle. I'm always so grateful to know that God always hears, always answers the humble prayer of faith. Now, now stay with me. He always answers the humble prayer of faith. What does that look like? Well, two ways that he expresses answer to that prayer. One is he changes the circumstance, right? Through providence, through a miracle, through whatever mechanism God chooses to do, he can reveal his glory by changing the circumstance. That is one way he will answer the prayer. But another way he does it is he says, no, no, I'm not going to change the circumstance. We've got Bibles full of these. I'm going to change you to handle what I have not changed. Now, one day he will change this circumstance. There will be redemption physically and spiritually in all ways from all those broken circumstances. But in the meantime, he says, I want to give you more of Jesus' likeness through the circumstance. Do you see it? So let me ask you the question then, what is the greater manifestation of his glory? Isn't that a great question? I'm going to tell you, it's this one over here. Why is that? Because think with me, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, did it ever strike you before as you read that story in Scripture? Outside of Jesus coming back, Lazarus had to die again. It was only the circumstance of raising him up from the dead was a temporary reprieve, and all Answers to prayer in terms of circumstances are but temporary reprieves from a fallen world. You need to know that. Whatever way God provides a change in that circumstance. But if he gives you more of Jesus and doesn't change the circumstance, remember that this is what? Eternal. It's forever. You'll never lose it. Any movement towards Christ's likeness is never lost. This is far richer. The treasure more of Jesus is far richer than any reprieve or suspension of any circumstance. You see it? So good news. In prayer, you can find God's peace because you know he will either change the circumstance or he will change you to handle the circumstance. He's going to manifest his glory, his goodness, his greatness in your life through that humble prayer of faith. This is great news and peace-giving. And that's exactly what Paul says here. He says it gives you peace. That's the promise. 
It isn't the disappearance of the struggle, but the reality of God's peace in it, a peace that you can't get from this world. It transcends all human understanding. So we put all our stuff in the garbage bag, if you will, and we lift it up to God, and God gives us a present, His peace in exchange. In fact, I want want you to stay with me. I know I'm probably going long here, but stay with me. There's something in your life right now that's a burden. I'm confident of that. Can you envision it a little bit like you got a knapsack on, you got rocks in the back. It's just weighing you down. You walk around. I don't know what it is, but it's some circumstance that tends to overwhelm you, gets heavy, and you just get overwhelmed by it, and, and God's saying, you need to give that to me. I want you to envision yourself taking that off, that backpack of weight and burden, putting it in a garbage bag, tying it up, saying, God, this thing, I can't, I've I've tried to be responsible in this, I can't change this, but I, I know what it is, it's heavy, it's big, it's huge, it's overwhelming. I put it in the garbage bag, I lift it up to you, and then before you leave there, you give that garbage bag to God and he gives you a present. And you open that up. And it's his peace that passes human understanding. You see what Paul's doing here? He's not just saying, don't be anxious but pray. He's giving you the solution to the anxiety. He's saying prayer is the way to be liberated from that heaviness because you're letting God truly be God of that. You're acknowledging your profound need in his presence and he will meet you there either by revealing his glory by changing it or by giving you more of his grace to deal with it. Paul says this peace in Jesus Christ will literally be a wall of protection around our hearts and minds. Friends, genuine prayer is a supernatural, this is one one you can relate to, it's a supernatural antibody that kills off the disease of fear and worry. It's the ultimate antibody. Paul gives one final way to deal with the vulnerability and instability of life. He says, we must keep drinking in the word. Verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The point here, he's making his focus on the precepts, the principles, and the promises of God's word. Replace your mental intake diet of pop and junk food from your culture with the milk and the meat of God's truth. Now, I'm going to make a confession here. This is a confession of sin and error in the midst of COVID. There's been a few times during COVID where I went into the dark hole of social media and news and just was feeding, feeding, feeding there and not enough time in the word of God. You are being shaped by the voices that are coming at you. And God is saying, let the dominant voice be his truth, be his word. I can guarantee you when I came out of that hole of social media and and news, I, I felt so peaceful, right? No, I did not. There was angst and frustration and despair. And, you know, it's just, it's like, you you know, those voices that are coming and feeding on, they're not leading to 
the healthy life that God wants for you. But God's word, have you ever been drinking in, sitting at the foot of God's word through his spirit speaking to you and walked away and went, that just made me angry. No. Do you see it? This is the, the importance. What are we feeding on? And Paul gives us a list of virtues here that we're to stop and reflect on. I don't think they're meant to be an exhaustive list. They're illustrative. In fact, the last two phrases of verse 8 point out that Paul wants us to dwell on whatever is spiritually excellent or pleasing to God or praiseworthy to God. And I, I think he's, he's just saying these are the things that are really God's truth. These things, I think, could also just as easily be a description of Jesus Christ, like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all of these things, right? Who's more true, more honorable, more just, more pure, more lovely and commendable than Jesus, right? And so he's, in essence, he's saying, fixate on the beauty and the treasure of who Jesus is through the Word of God, the goodness and greatness of God revealed in His Son. Fixate there, and your life will be peaceful. In fact, he says that. He says, the God of peace will be with you. The goal, of course, you notice, is not just right thinking. He's talking about life transformation. He says, the thinking process is to lead to practice, practicing these truths. It's to lead to changed lives. If we feed upon and live out the reality of God's truth, we will possess a deep-seated rest and peace from God. You know, many people assume that anxiety is the result of too much thinking. But scripturally, this is what God would say. It is the result of too little thinking in the right direction. Biblical meditation is not the emptying of the mind and soul. It is the filling of the mind and soul with the words of God. Thinking our thoughts after God. And when you do that, you will have and experience the God of peace. I think we've all felt overwhelmed by what's going on in this crazy world, covid the war in Ukraine, and then I know, I'm confident, I've been a pastor for 30 years, every single person in this room walks in with unspoken, weighty issues. We just don't know what the future holds. But we do know the one who holds the future in his hand. Right? And at some point, we've all felt these waves of life breaking over us, and we've felt overwhelmed, and, and it's not running away from them that, that helps or numbing ourselves. It's facing them head on and saying, yes, this is the pain and the fallenness of a broken world. It hurts, and I'm crying. There are tears, but I'm holding on to my Heavenly Father and the treasure of Jesus, and I know that I'm a conqueror in Jesus Christ, and I cannot lose. I can't lose with Him. This is good news. God wants us to live in his forever peace and joy in his son that can't be touched by the ups and downs of this life. We are to let the peace of Christ then rule in our hearts by looking up in faith, right? Reaching out in love, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in the word. Would you join me doing that, okay? We are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts by looking up in faith, reaching out in love, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love for us. We are humbled to know that you poured out your grace upon us through your Son. And Lord, we want to see it more clearly as we leave this place in a few moments today. We don't want to miss 
what you have said and spoken. In fact, we're going to take your table and remember through these emblems, visually, powerfully, your greatest gift is the gift of your son pouring out his life for us so that we could have a forever relationship with you and nothing will separate us from your love. We are thankful today that you are our refuge. You are our strength. You are ever present in all things. Therefore, we don't need to fear even if the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We have Jesus. You are good. You are kind. You are gracious. Help us to anchor our lives there today. We pray in Jesus' name.